0: 7. it top ruffle. If the windows open into the room the curtains may be hung on the frames. The muslin curtains may be left out entirely if one wishes. Net curtains on French doors should be run on small brass rods at top and bottom. And the heavy curtains that are drawn together at night for privacy's sake should be so hung that they will not interfere with the opening of the door. There should be plenty of room under all ruffles or shaped valances where the curtains are to be drawn to allow for easy working of the cords otherwise tempers are liable to be suddenly lost all windows over 18 inches wide need two curtains and the average allowance of fullness is at least twice the width of the window for net and any very soft material while once and a half is usually enough for material with more body great care must be taken to measure curtains correctly and have them cut evenly it is also a good plan to allow for extra length which can be folded into the top hem and will not show but will allow for shrinking Stenciling can be very attractively used for curtains and portieres for country houses. Cheesecloth, scrim, aurora cloth, pongee, linen, and velours are a few of the materials that can be used. The design and kind used in a room should be chosen with due regard to its suitability. A Louis XVI room could not possibly have aris cloth used in it. While it would be charming and appropriate in a modern bungalow, Aris cloth with an applique design of linen couched on it makes beautiful curtains and portieres to go with the mission or craftsman furniture. There is an old farmhouse on Long Island that has been made over into a most delightful country house, and the furnishing throughout is consistent and charming. The curtains are reproductions of old designs in chintz and Creton, the living room, with its white paneling to the ceiling, its wide fireplace, old mahogany furniture, and curtains gay with parrots and flowers. Hanging over cool white muslin, is a room to conjure with, in townhouses the curtains and hangings must also harmonize with the style of furnishing, when the windows are hung with soft colored brocade, the portieres are usually beautiful tapestry or rich toned velvets, and care is always taken to have the balance of color kept and the color values correct, there are silks and damasks and velvets, and many lesser stuffs, made for all the period styles, whether carried out simply or elaborately and it is the art of getting the suitable ones for the different rooms which gives the air of harmony, beauty, and restfulness, for which the word home stands. In hanging these more formal curtains the shaped valance is usually used with the curtains hanging straight at the sides of the window, so they can be drawn together at night. The cords and pulleys should always be in perfect working order. Another method is to have the curtains simply parted in the center, either with a valance or without and drawn back at the sides with heavy cords and tassels, or bands of the stuff. If a great defect is desired great care must be taken not to have it to elaborate. If the walls of a room are plain in color one may have either plain or figured hangings, but if the wall covering is figured it gives a feeling of unrest if the curtains are also figured. Sometimes one sees bedrooms and small boudoirs where the walls and curtains show the same design, but it must be done with skill, or disaster is sure to follow. Plain casement cloth or the different, sunfast, fabrics are attractive with plain or figured papers. Especially in bedrooms of country houses. If one has to live in the townhouse through the summer do not make the fatal mistake of taking down the curtains and living in bare discomfort during the hot season. If the curtains are too handsome to be kept up, buy a second set of inexpensive ones that can be washed without injury. It is better that they should stop the dust. And then go into the tub. Than that one's lungs should collect it all. Curtains are full as well as ornamental, and a house without them is as dreary as breakfast without coffee. Floors and floor coverings In planning a room the color values should be divided into the natural divisions of the heaviest, or darkest, part at the bottom, which is the floor, the medium color tome in the middle, which is the wall, and the lightest at the top, which is the ceiling. This keeps the room from seeming top-heavy and gives the necessary feeling of support for the wall and ceiling. The walls and floor serve as a background and should not be insistent or startling in color, and the size and height of the room, the amount of wall space, the position of doors, windows and fireplace, the quantity and quality of the light, and the connecting rooms will all be factors in the color scheme and materials chosen. The floor of the room must be right or all the character of the furnishings will be lost. One should first see that it is in perfect condition. If it is a hardwood or parquetry floor it should not be finished the bright and glaring yellow which is sometimes seen, but should be slightly toned down before the finish is put on. Samples of different tones should be submitted to be tried with samples of the rug and stuffs to be used before the decision is made. A wax finish is better than the usual coats of shellac, for the wax has a soft and beautiful glow, while shellac has a hard commercial glare. A waxed floor, if properly taken care of, which is not difficult, wears extremely well and does not have the distressingly shabby appearance of a partly worn shellac floor, if the floor is old and worn and is to be painted or stained all cracks should be filled, and the color chosen should be a neutral color in harmony with the rest of the room, the wood shades usually being the best, with the exception of cherry and the red tones of mahogany, teak is a good tone for hardwood, softwood floors of such woods as pine. And cypress can be made to have the appearance of hardwood if first scraped or sandpapered and then stained with an oil stain and finished with a thin coat of shellac and two coats of prepared floor wax. The usual ways of using floor covering are, one large rug which leaves a border of hardwood floor of about a foot all around it, several small rugs placed with a well-balanced plan upon the floor, and carpet, either seamless or of strips sewed together, made into a one rug or entirely covering the floor. In the majority of cases the use of a single large plain rug is by far the best plan, for it gives the feeling of an unobtrusive background whose beauty of color serves to bind the room in the unity of a well-planned scheme, and the sense of dignity and solidity goes a long way on the road to success. It is one of the most satisfactory methods of covering a floor imaginable. These plain carpets come in several grades and many colors and are woven in widths from 9 to 30 feet which can be cut in any desired length. This makes it possible to have a rug which will be a suitable size for a room. The colors are very good, especially the soft grays, tans, puddy color, and taupe. There are also some good blues and greens, a very beautiful dark blue having great possibilities. There are also, besides these wide carpets, narrow carpets from 27 inches to 4 feet wide which can be sold together and made into rugs, or the carpet can cover the entire floor. In some cases this is the most attractive thing to do, for it will make a room seem larger by carrying the vision all the way to the wall without the break of a border, and it also covers a multitude of sins in the way of a rough floor. In these days of vacuum cleaners the old terrors of dust have lost their sting. A plain carpet or rug may be used with propriety in any room in the house, provided the right color is chosen for the surroundings. Some people, however, Prefer a figured carpet in the dining room on account of the wear and tear around the table. This risk is not very great if the rug is of good quality in the first place. A two-toned all-over design is often chosen for halls and stairs because of the special wear which they receive. And a Chinese rug is a good selection to make with a stair carpet of soft blue and yellow Chinese design to match. A small, figured, all-over design is a good choice for a nursery. Bedrooms may have either one large rug or be covered entirely with carpet or have several rugs so placed that the floor is practically covered but is easily kept clean. Plain rugs are more restful in effect in bedrooms than figured rugs, and with plain walls and chintz are fresh and charming. These carpet rugs should be made with a flat binding which turns under and is sewed down, as this looks far better and lies flatter on the floor than the usual over and over finish, which is apt to stretch. All rugs should be thoroughly stretched before they are delivered as otherwise they will not lie flat. There is a kind of plain woven linen rug, with a different colored border if desired, which is very good to use in many country houses. These rugs come in a large assortment of colors and sizes, and, when sufficient time is allowed, they can be made in special sizes. Old-fashioned woven and hooked rag rugs are not appropriate in all kinds of rooms, even in the country. They should only be used in the simple farmhouse type and in some bungalows and should be used with the simple styles of old furniture and never with fine examples, whether copies or originals. Illustration, this attractive colonial hallway shows a good arrangement of rugs. The border on the portier spoils the effect, but the lamp is well chosen. The light in a room must be taken into account in choosing a rug, and cold colors should not be used in north for cheerless rooms. The theory of color in regard to a light has been explained in other chapters, very fully in the chapter on wallpapers and its principles should be applied to all questions of furnishing, or disappointment will be the result. Illustration: This bedroom is a good example of a simple colonial bedroom, and the rag rugs are in keeping with it. The repeat design of the wallpaper ties the room into a unified whole. The question of whether to use oriental rugs or plain rugs is one which many people find hard to solve. One of the deciding factors is often finding just what is right for the room. For really beautiful oriental rugs in large or carpet size are rare and also expensive, but soft toned Persian rugs with their interesting floral designs, and Chinese rugs with their wonderful tones of blue and yellow are works of art and well worth the trouble necessary to discover them and the price asked. They are best adapted to some libraries and halls and some dining rooms, but they should not be startling in either design or color. To my mind oriental rugs are not well sweet to the majority of living rooms and bedrooms because of the constant and varied use of these rooms. When oriental rugs are used there should be plenty of plain effect in the room, the walls, for instance, should be plain. I have never seen a room which was successful if both walls and rug were figured. A fine tapestry may be used with oriental rugs, but that is quite different from a figured wall. If several rugs are to be used in one room they must be of the same color value and the same general color tone or the floor will appear uneven. One does not wish to have a room give the uncomfortable effect of the rocky road to Dublin. A rug with a general blue tone must not be put with other rugs of many colors or an overpowering amount of red, but should be matched in color by having blue the chief color of the other rugs also. The color value, too, must be even, for a light rug next to a dark has the same disagreeable effect. It is impossible to have a beautiful room if the rug seems to arise up and smite you as you enter. Persian rugs with their conventional floral designs should not be used with the marked color and geometrical designs of Caucasian rugs. These points are important to remember and follow. For otherwise unity of scheme for the room will be impossible. If one has several fine rugs well matched in color value and design they should be placed with a due regard to the shape of the room and the position of the furniture. A rug placed cornered breaks up the structural plan of the room and makes it appear smaller than it really is. The new lines formed are at odds with the lines of the walls and interfere with the sense of space by stopping the eye in its instinctive journey to the boundary of things. Oriental rugs should be tried if possible in the rooms in which they are to be used before the final choice is made, and one must always try the rug with the light falling across the nap and also with the nap, for one way makes the rug lighter and the other darker and one of the two may be just what is wanted. If one owns a rug which seems far too bright to use it can be toned down, but the owner must take the risk of its being spoiled in the process. To me it does not seem a great risk, because if the rug is so bright that it is absolutely nerve-destroying and useless, and there is a chance that for a small sum it can be made charming, why not take it? I have never heard of one failing, but I suppose some of them must or the stipulation would not be made. If an oriental rug is used it should give the keynote for the color scheme, and the design of the rug will decide whether there can be any figured material used in the room. It is far easier to build up a scheme from a satisfactory rug than it is to try to fit one into a room which is otherwise finished. One's field of choice is much wider. Samples of wallpaper, curtain material and furniture coverings should always be tried with the rugs, whether oriental or plain in color, for the scheme of the room must be worked out as a whole not piecemeal. Each room must be considered in relation to the other rooms near it, because, although it may be beautiful in itself, if it does not harmonize with the connecting rooms the whole effect will be a failure. does from one room to another should be alluring and charming, there should be no violent and clashing contrasts of color or styles of furniture or sudden change in the scale of furnishings. One room cannot shake off its relationship to the rest of the house and be a success and floor coverings must bear their full share of responsibility in making the whole house beautiful, the treatment of walls the walls of a household a most important place in the order of things and their treatment requires much thought, the floor is the darkest color value in a room, as it is the foundation, and the walls come next in color value and consideration, what I have said in other chapters about the necessity of connecting rooms being harmonious applies of course to the selection of wall coverings, The first question to be settled is, shall paint or paper be used? If the house is new the walls are apt to settle a little making the plaster crack. And it is far better in such a case to allow the walls to remain white for a year. If the effect of plain white plaster strikes one as too cold one of the many water tints may be used as this will not interfere with any later scheme. In houses that have been built for a number of years the walls are often so badly cracked and marred that to put them into condition for painting would be more expensive than preparing them for paper. Estimates should be given for both paint and paper. When the plaster has done its worst and settled down to a quiet life the work of covering the walls appropriately begun. Plain walls, whether painted, tinted, or papered, are more restful in effect and form better backgrounds than figured walls. This is not a question of the beauty of the design or the expense of the material, but simply the fact that a plain surface is quiet, while a figured wall, even if only two-toned, will at once assert itself more, and so be less of a background, if many pictures and mirrors are to be used, or a figured rug and much furniture, by all means have plain walls, if one has some special object of great beauty and interest, it should be treated with the dignity and honor it deserves and given a plain background. A miscellaneous collection of layers and pinnates can be made to hold together better by having a plain wall of some soft neutral color rather than a figured paper, which would only make the confusion more pronounced. Small rooms should have plain and light colored walls, as they then appear larger. Plain walls give a wider scope in the matter of decoration, for, beside the possibilities of plain stuffs, shints and various striped silks and linen may be used which would be quite out of the question with figured walls. More flowers may be used, and lampshades, always a bit assertive, take their proper place in the scheme, instead of making another distracting note. Illustration, a built-in corner cupboard has an architecturally decorative value for it supplies a spot of color in the paneled walls. The modern china closet is bad, and the chairs have the failing of many reproductions. The backs are a little too high for the width. The question of paint or paper has often to be decided by circumstances. Such as the condition of the walls or the climate. With paint one can have the exact shade desired and either a glossy or eggshell finish. With paper it is often a matter of taking the nearest thing to the color wanted and changing the other colors to harmonize. Paint is better to use in a damp or foggy climate. As paper may peel from the walls in the course of time. Illustration, this fine well curtain for poster. Once the property of Lafayette. The trundle bed. Cradle. Chairs and table. Are all interesting but the wallpaper appears to be of the ugly time of about 1880. Something more appropriate should be chosen. Walls may be tinted or painted, and panelled with strips of moulding which are painted the wall colour or a tone lighter or darker as the scheme requires. Also, the wall inside the moulding may be a tone lighter than the wall outside, or vice versa, but the contrast must not be strong or the wall at once becomes uneven in effect and ceases to be a good background. Paintings may be panelled on the walls, If one has only one suitable picture for the room it should be placed over the mantel, or in some other position of importance. Making a center of interest in the room, using pictures and pieces of tapestry in this way is quite different from having the walls painted into sharply contrasting colors. Because the paint gives the feeling of permanence while the picture is obviously unadded decoration requiring a correct background. I am speaking of the average house, not of houses and palaces where the walls have been painted by great artists. Painted walls are appropriate for all manner of homes, from the elaborate country or city house all through the list to the farmhouse or small bungalow. But if, for any reason, one cannot have painted walls, or prefers paper, one need not forgo the restful pleasure of plain backgrounds, for there are many beautiful plain papers to be had. Personal taste usually decides whether paint or paper is to be used. Paint is thought by some to be too cold or hard in appearance it is only so when badly done or when disagreeable colors are chosen, or it is considered too formal, or, with the memory of New England farmhouses in mind, too informal, for those who wish paper, the possibilities are very great if the paper is properly chosen, the reason why so many people are disappointed with the effect of their newly papered rooms is that they judge the paper at the shop from one piece and did not realize that a design which appealed to them there might be overpowering when repeated again and again and again on the wall. When choosing a figured paper several strips should be placed side by side to enable one to judge whether the horizontal repeat is as satisfactory and pleasant as the perpendicular. When an acceptable one is found a large sample should be taken home to pin on the wall to show the effect in its future environment. Samples of the curtains and furniture coverings should also be tried with the sample of paper before the final choice is made, if a paper with a decided figure is chosen pictures should be banished, for their beauty will be killed by the repeated design, the scale of the design in relation to the size of the room must also be taken into account, a small room will be overpowered by a large figure, but often the repeat of a small figure is quite correct in a large room as it gives an all over, an obtrusive effect. If the wall space is much cut by doors and windows one should select a plain, neutral toned paper. It would be a fatal error to use a figured paper, for the room would look restless and chaotic and probably out of balance. If the windows are in groups and the doors balance each other the danger is lessened, but not done away with. One of the beautiful features in fine old colonial houses is this ordered position of doors, but in many a modern house the doors have a trying way of appearing in a corner as if they were a bit ashamed of themselves, and they have good cause to be, for a badly placed door is a calamity, if one is fortunate enough to plan one's own house, this matter can be taken care of properly, but in the average ready-made house one has to try to make the doors less conspicuous by having them painted in very much the tone of the wall, with a gray wall, for instance, there should have a slightly lighter tone of gray for the woodwork, with a white and gray striped paper white paint may be used, with a soft tan, a deep old ivory, and so on. If a room is badly proportioned it can often be improved by the simple expedient of using a correct paper. If the room is too high for its size the ceiling color may be brought down on the side wall for 18 inches or so and finished with a molding. This stops the eye before it reaches the ceiling and so makes the room seem lower. If the room is too low a striped paper may be used which will make the room seem higher by carrying the eye up to the ceiling where the paper is finished with a molding. Vertical lines give the appearance of height. Horizontal lines of width. Striped paper should not be used in narrow halls. For it makes them seem narrower and gives one the feeling of being in a cage. To toned striped papers of nearly the same color value, such as gray and white, yellow and cream white, and white and cream color, are better to use than those of more marked contrast. Although some of the green and white and blue and white are charming and fresh looking for bedrooms. Black and white is too eccentric for the average house, one should beware of all eccentric papers. There are a few kinds of paper which should be left severely alone, for they will spoil any room. One of them has a plain general tone but a suggestion of other colors which give it a blurred and mottled appearance which is singularly disagreeable. Another is plain in color but has a lumpy effect like a toad's back, and is really quite awful. Others are metallic papers. And there is a heavy paper embossed in self-color with a conventional design which is apt to have a shining surface. Papers with dashes and little flecks of gold should be avoided. For the gold gives the wall an unstable and cheap appearance. Papers with small single figures repeated all over the surface are apt to look as if a plate of flies or beetles had arrived and are quite impossible to live with. Borders and cut-out borders have a commonplace appearance and are not in the best of taste. And then there are papers with vulgarity of design. This quality is hard to define clearly, for it may be only a slightly redundant curve or other lack of true feeling for the beauty of line, or a bit too much, or too little, color, or a bad combination of color, or a lack of knowledge of the laws of balance and harmony and ornament, or a wrong surface of texture to the paper, but whatever the cause, a vulgar paper will vulgarize any room, no matter what is done in the way of furniture, it will assert itself like an ill-bred person. Luckily both are easily recognized, but the picture is not all dark by any means, for some of the American made papers, as well as the imported papers, are very beautiful. The makers are taking great pains to have fine designs and beautiful colors which will appeal to people of knowledge and taste. The situation is much better than it was a few years ago. Some of the copies of old figured and scenic papers are exceptionally fine. And can be used with great distinction in dining rooms or halls with ivory or cream white woodwork and wainscoting and Georgian or colonial furniture. One should not use pictures with these papers, but mirrors are permissible and will have the best effect if placed on a wood panelled over mantle. These papers come in tones of gray and white and also sepia. Oriental rugs, if not of too conspicuous a design, may be used with them. But plain rugs are better with plain hangings and striped silk chair seats. These papers are very attractive in country houses. There are also colored scenic papers. An especially fascinating one having a Chinese design which could be used as a connected scene or in panels. And would be lovely in a country house drawing room or dining room or hall. It could also be used in a city house with beautiful effect if do thought be given to the question of hangings, woodwork, rug, and furniture. Introduce a false note. And a room of this kind is ruined. These scenic papers come in sets but the copies of the other old papers come in the regular rolls. Some of the lovely old designs have been used for wallpaper, and these with other chintz designs, can be softened in effect by a special method of glazing which makes them very harmonious and charming with antique furniture or reproductions of fine old models. These old chintz papers are lovely for bedrooms or morning rooms, with fresh crisp muslin curtains and plain silk or linen or chambray side curtains. Either painted or mahogany furniture could be employed. A motif from the paper can be used for the furniture or it can simply be striped with the color chosen for the plain curtains. Some of the good and rather stunning bird design papers treated with a special glazing make beautiful halls with plain rugs and hangings and chair covers. Papers cost from about 40 cents to several dollars a roll, but the choice is large and attractive between 1 and 3 dollars a roll, and there are also excellent ones for 85 cents. It is almost impossible, however, to give a satisfactory list of prices as they vary in different parts of the country. The reproductions of old scenic papers of which I have spoken are expensive, costing about $100 a set, but they may go down again now that the war is over. The difference in expense between paint and paper is not very great. In fact, with the average paper at a dollar or a dollar and a half a roll, paint is about the same or perhaps a bit cheaper if the walls are in fairly good condition. It is a mistake to use inferior paper, and there should never be more than a lining paper and the paper itself on the wall. In some cases where there is only one paper of soft color on the wall, with no lining paper, this paper may be used as a lining paper if it is absolutely tight and firm. The risk is that the new paste may loosen the old a bit and so let all come down. Old paper must be entirely removed if there are any marred places as they will show through the new and ruin the effect. The amount of wall space and the quality and the quantity of the light are important factors in deciding the color scheme because by using them correctly we can brighten a cheerless, dark room or soften the blaze in a too sunny one. If the light is a cold dreary one from the north, the room will be vastly improved if warm, cheerful colors are used, warm ivory, deep cream color soft or bright yellow without any greenish tinge in it, soft yellow pinks there is a hard pink which is very ugly, yellow green but not olive, and tones of golden tan, it is the dash of yellow in these colors which makes them cheerful and gives the impression of sunlight, tans should never come too close to brown for a dark room, for nothing is more dreary or hopeless than a room done in that depressing color, the beautiful tones of old oak, or properly treated modern oak paneling, are quite a different matter. Small amounts of red or orange will do wonders, if used with discretion, in brightening a dull room, and are often just what are needed to bring out the beauty of the rest of the scheme, but it is a great mistake to think that red walls and a great deal of red in the hangings and furniture covering will make a cheerful or pleasant room. Red absorbs light and is also an irritant to the eyes and nerves, and, unless it is used with great skill, it is apt to look extremely commonplace and ugly or like an ostentatious hotel or public building. Few of us have large enough houses to make it possible to use red in great amounts. And it is well for the average person to shun it and remember that in 99 cases out of 100, a red wall will spoil a room. Illustration There are few treatments for walls in a colonial dining room that can compare with paneled walls or wainscoting with a decorative paper above. The subject, however, must be in keeping. This paper is extremely inappropriate. And the center light is also badly chosen and could be eliminated. Cool colors should be used in bright and sunny rooms blues, greens, grays, grayish tans, and those delightful colors, old ivory, and soft deep cream color and linen color. Colors with a tone of yellow in them are easier to use than cold blues and greens and violets. For the yellow tinge, be it ever so little, brings them into a relation with the majority of woods used in floors and furniture frames. Light colors make a room seem larger by apparently making the walls recede and dark colors make it seem smaller, as they make us conscious of the walls and so seem to bring them nearer. Any very bright room may have dark walls to soften the glare, but if it has to be used by artificial light it will then be heavy and cheerless in effect, and so a better choice would be some soft neutral color of medium or lighter color values, such as gray-green, and use awnings and dark shades. This matter of color in relation to a light is important to remember when planning one's house. There is also another question which has great influence on one's choice of paper, and that is the amount and kind of furniture to be used in the room. Georgian furniture calls for plain or panelled walls, or if a figured paper is used it should be one of the old-fashioned designs or one of the striped papers. Old-fashioned chintz designs are also appropriate for bedrooms with mahogany or painted furniture, plain or panelled walls, striped paper, and some of the fine floral designs, which can L.